Hello everybody, my name is Tracy and I'm going to be your host for the day. Katie is not here and this is Mages of the Air, your all-the-time Tamra Pierce podcast. If you like us, you can always follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook on magesoftheair.com. And if you absolutely love us, you are more than welcome to join us on Patreon where you can become one of our mages. Today, we're not actually going to have a tea of the episode because I have a very awesome interview with our horse expert to talk to us for Wild Magic, and her name is Miss Brittany Penn. Hello. Hi, Brittany. Again, thank you so much for being on the show with us. I really do appreciate it. It's been odd trying to track down a horse expert because they're there, but they're not there, or they're so busy that they can't talk to you. So I, again, I super appreciate this. This is awesome. Oh, sure. No problem. (laughs) So uh, why don't you give us a little bit about yourself and kind of your history with horses and animals and stuff like that? So I uh, was about 15 and um, started working at a horse farm. And it was a breeding facility, thoroughbreds uh, for Hunter Under Saddle and Western Pleasure. Um, And it was a double registry ones that they were focused on. So paint and uh, full registry, um, quarter horse and thoroughbreds. And uh, I learned a lot there. We moved and changed stuff after 9-11 and went down to Lexington, Kentucky. And I worked on a thoroughbred and quarter horse racing breeding facility. Um, for a while, and that was really cool. Um, learned a lot of stuff. Got to work down um, with the vets at Rudin Riddle and Hager Davidson McGee on embryo transfers and stuff like that. That's awesome. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> it, it was so fun. So fun. And then um, I actually ended up out of horses for a while um, because financially I just I couldn't afford it, um, and people weren't buying the you know the backyard horses anymore. The economy kind of fell apart there for a while so the horses that I was kind of focused on the market just dropped and um, so I uh, started working at a veterinary clinic um, and doing veterinary medicine and about four years ago um, I uh, was able to get back into horses <laughs> so I'm really thankful for that I missed it um, a whole lot uh, so and now I currently um, work at a 24-7 um, small animal emergency and specialty hospital. That's awesome. I can't, I don't know how you do an emergency hospital. I had to take a dog to one one time for a, um, they bit their tail off. And so we had to rush them to the emergency hospital and y'all get some intense stuff in there. Like, honestly, especially because y'all are 24 seven. We get some interesting stuff where, um, you know, your family vets kind of scratching their head going, I really don't know what to do with this one. You better go. You better go to the ER. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so, some question on the horses. Now, you were talking. This is a curiosity question for me. You were talking about double registered. So, what does that mean exactly? If a horse is double registered, it as we'll use the thoroughbreds for uh, as an example. The thoroughbred doesn't have a color restriction, so it basically can be purple with yellow spots, and it can still be registered as a thoroughbred if you can prove it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, they do have a gene that produces excessive white. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can have um, enough white on their belly or face or high enough on their legs to be um, considered for registry in the Paint Horse Association. Oh, that's so awesome. Crop out. Yeah. So that horse can, um, can show as a paint um, and then it can, um, even if it doesn't have enough white, they can, you know, you can be a quarter horse or a paint and still have, or a quarter horse or a thoroughbred and still have a paint baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just 
more there's a better chance you're going to get one if you have one with excessive white genetics so we had uh, <laughs> yeah we had a stallion that had uh, the splashed white um he had like a big triangle on his belly four socks billy's face he was he was a really cool horse but uh it was a kind of a thing uh, back there in the early 2000s. <laughs> so uh, the place I was working was pretty successful for a while. Uh, 9-11 kind of put a damper on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. The genetics part of it, for sure. That's really cool. I know those flashy horses are definitely making a comeback. I'm seeing more and more, yeah. you know, half white, <laughs> half color horses going around. I have actually seen a couple of thoroughbreds now that you mentioned that, because to me, I always think, and I'm sure many of our listeners do too, when they hear the word thoroughbred, it's always that typical, maybe a spot of white or a blaze or anything like that. And then, you know, a brown body and some socks. Yeah. So that's kind of, I don't know. That's what I always imagine. But I guess, yeah, that's, I never, that's crazy. I didn't know like double registered was a thing. I have a, um, a little quarter horse mix. She's a retired show horse. She's 22. Um, not quarter horse mix. She's an she's a registered American quarter horse, but uh, she's real sweet. She's been there, done it, done all that jazz. So yeah. Now with these horses, did you work on any kind of training or anything? So um, my focus was actually the babies. Mm-hmm. So um, when we were kind of at the height of business, we were had like twenty. 25 babies a year right and that's all I, I mean that's all first impression stuff like the way that you know yeah. that starts that baby off and how they're probably going to end up for the rest of their life yeah I mean I was on full watch I rotated between me and, and the barn manager so I was there for most of them uh the minute that they hit the ground or shortly thereafter um and so my big thing was um was getting them halter broke as soon as I could, because I didn't want to fight with a 500 pound weanling. No, no, that sounds <laughs> and terrible. Them <laughs> and teach them how to be broke to a halter. So I, my babies were always really friendly, really easygoing. They, you know, by the time um, they were turned out with mom in the field um, in the summertime, they were picking their feet up. And, and um, every time mom would go from the stall to the field, I would uh, make sure that I had a, a halter or a lead, a lead rope. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing was a really long leather strap mm-hmm. um, that I would make kind of like a pseudo rope halter out of so I could just let go of it. And he wouldn't be like out in the field with a halter on, but he still had that feeling of being confined around his head and learning how to give to pressure and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that worked really, really well. And it made really friendly babies and really a nice yearlings to work with because they weren't afraid of anything. <laughs> True. You know? Yeah, they were they were willing to to trust you. So what what process would you take to actually introduce a halter? Because I know some horses and especially babies, I'm sure they didn't necessarily like it when they first saw the halter. <laughs> they were like, oh, "What no. is this and, monstrosity?" <laughs> and that's where like the leather strap came in um, to help a lot because it, it's very lightweight, um, and you could at first just wrap it around his muzzle mm-hmm. and then take it off. You know, when you're in the room playing with them and babies love scratches. So while you're, you're scratching them and scratching their butt and scratching their belly and you've got that thing on their face and it's not hurting them and they kind of accept it, you know, they're, they're, everything's new. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a little bit easier, believe it or not, because, uh, they don't know that they're supposed to be afraid of that, or they don't, they don't know that they're supposed to fight having something around their face and, um, you can kind of handle them a little bit. Um, because at that point, 
you're talking about something that's 100 pounds or 150 pounds instead of <laughs> much bigger. So um, uh, that was usually the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> that was the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> So, peop- so I don't think a lot of people know that horses don't automatically like pick up their feet when, cause I know yeah. cleaning out hooves and stuff, it's, it's a daily thing, especially if you're in rocky areas sometimes. What yeah. process did you go to teach, teach your babies how to do that? So the first part of that, I guess, would be understanding that that is his only way of getting away if he's afraid. So they are very resistant at first, mm-hmm. um, just because that's all they know is if I'm afraid, I have to move my feet. So if you take a, a foot away from them, they can't move. Right. So I usually make sure that I have a pretty good bond first, um, rubbing up and down their legs, rubbing their belly, that um, they start uh, trusting me as, you know, someone that's in there that's handling them. I'm part of everyday life. I'm nothing to be afraid of before I even like pick their foot up off the ground. And usually, um, once you get that established and make sure that everything's okay with touching their legs, you know, um, then you can kind of pick it up for a second and put it down. Pick, pick it up for a second and put it down. And eventually, you know, and it doesn't take long to where they just will start lifting it up for you. I know the, the gelding that I have right now, I haven't had him since he was a baby, but um, I can point to his leg. And tell him to pick it up, and he'll pick it up for me. That's awesome. So. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> no, yeah, my my mare will do great for the farrier, and then when it comes to me, there's always that little bit of Game of Thrones bend the knee going on. But once I get the yeah. first one, she just goes around and does all of them. It's great. <laughs> I've definitely had the bend the knee conversation. <laughs> now in this book, so we have our main character is Dane, and she has a quote unquote knack with animals. That's how she describes it. I don't want to ruin it in case you ever do want to read the series, but that's what okay. it's described as, as a knack with animals. And in this, she starts working for a horse wrangler and they collect ponies. Um, they're described as ponies, but I mean, you know, as well as I do that ponies can basically be anything under 14 hands hot or like, you know, 14 hands, which is still a pretty big horse. Yeah. <laughs> and there's your guy out there right now. We can hear him. Yes, his friend out in the field is upset that he's at, he gets to graze in the hayfield. <laughs> <laughs> and they, anyways, they take these horses and they go on a trip with them and they take them to an organization called the Queen's Riders. And this is a, I screw up this word every time, a cavalry group. <laughs> and in this group, not only do they train the horses to deal with the tasks horses ponies the task of like war, but they also have to train people to shoot off of their backs and do it's a really good book if you haven't read it i highly suggest reading it but they have to shoot off their Sounds backs good. and be prepared to you know do anything and everything that is dealt with as a horse that is being used for people that fight wars now what from the difference between a smaller horse like a baby or anything like that to a more grown horse because some of these are stallions some of these are geldings anything around those what would be your training differences would you take it the same way or would you like how would you do it um so honestly (laughs) the bigger the horse the easier they are to train (laughs) they don't have as big the the smaller the horse the bigger the attitude is is pretty typical um Mm -hmm. small so, horse syndrome I, <laughs> yeah. I honestly try to approach them all the same um but the, I think the key to being successful is taking each horse as an individual 
-hmm. you can't just blanket do the same thing with everybody and expect to get the same results because I've met horses that are so sensitive to certain stimuli and to certain things that approaching them in the same way as as you would some old quarter horse been there done that ranch mm -hmm. work horse is um you know it's different they're gonna so, have a different uh, reaction yeah yeah they'll have a complete and even from a mare to to a stallion you know um there's that old saying you uh tell a gelding you ask a stallion um and you negotiate with a mare <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard that but that is accurate <laughs> So what would, in your experience with working, what's the difference mentality wise between a mare, a gelding and a stallion? Yeah, I, you know, I actually like to work with stallions. Um, they're very intelligent. They're very strong. Most of the time they'll do what you ask them to do. The caveat there is unless there's a mare around, <laughs> but a well-behaved stallion will, will still be a well-behaved stallion. Even when there are mares around, he may want to talk to them and stuff, but if you've done your training properly, you can still handle a stallion um, at that time. A gelding, you know, is, is about the perfect horse to have for anybody that's worried about handling them. They're pretty laid back and, and easygoing um, in, in general. You know, there's always the exceptions to the rule, but they don't have their hormones trying to, to tell them what they should be doing and not listening. Yeah. Mares, on the other hand, I've met some that are just sweetest things you ever want to deal with. And other ones that would just as soon kick you as, <laughs> as look at you. So especially when they're in heat mm -hmm. and they can become a completely different horse when they're in heat. So it's kind of learning uh, that individual and how they, how they respond to things. You know, some horses, the, the wind blows the wrong way and they can't work that day because they're freaking out and they're scared and, you know, they're snorting and blowing and you feel like you're going to get bucked off. And then you have other ones that don't care. doesn't matter. They'll do whatever you ask them to do. It can be pouring down rain, thunder, lightning, but uh, they'll do it because they're not afraid. So um, I really think uh, treating them as an individual, figuring out what their personality is and taking time with them is probably the best thing you can do for your horse. Do you believe the saying where it's the owner or the horse reflects the owner? I do that like a horse is, is the mirror of its owner. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. I didn't believe that. And then slowly I feel like, I don't know if I've started adjusting to my horse cause I've only had her two years or, and I've worked with horses for not a crazy amount of time, but longer than most or, and, um, or if she started adjusting to me better, but she's definitely changed since I had her for the better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say that I'm, I feel like my barn manager might disagree with me, but Hey, <laughs> Now, can you tell me what are some of your favorite stories from your experience with working with horses? I guess uh, some of my favorite would probably be uh, there was uh, a couple babies um, that we had that ended up uh, going on to be uh, reserve world champion and uh, world champion. I had five total um, that I had handled when they were babies that went on to, you know, much better more experienced professional trainers, um, you know, as two-year-olds and went on to, to be champions. And that was kind of cool. Um, it was, you know, interesting and watching them develop and kind of knowing from a young age that this horse was really special. And um, could you tell, like when you first saw the horse, could you tell that you were like, man, you're going to, you're going to be something. 
So yeah, you you can. Um, and some of those horses uh, that are already accomplished, they there's just a completely kind of different feel about them when you walk into a stall with them. That you're like, yep, this is a special horse. Um, the one stallion that we had, that he was the one that was double registered. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like 16'2". He was uh, bright red chestnut with the socks and the blaze and that big white face. And he was intimidating because he was a very thick, um, stocky built thoroughbred. That and sounds was, like my was, kind of horse. <laughs> oh, he was lovely. Um, but he was very kind. Like if I went in there to clean his stall, he would put his head down on my chest because he wanted me to rub him and rub his ears. He loved nothing more in the world than for his ears to be scratched. And you could do anything you wanted with this horse. Um, he was not a successful racehorse at all. Um, so he got retired at a young age to like a warm blood stud and was, was breeding warm bloods. And then my boss found him, um, he got his, uh, merit points and then he went on um to get all of his points to be a superior hunter under saddle horse and then goes on to have a bunch of world champions so So, my that you know that was one of those that this horse is sitting here at a warm blood stud not really doing much more than breeding mares mm -hmm. um and he just hadn't had somebody that realized the potential that he had until my boss came along and was like this is a special horse and he takes him out of there and he does that with him and turns him into this pleasure horse that goes on to produce some world champions. He had three, I believe, oh, wow. world champion, hunter under saddle horses in the APHA. So, um, and he didn't start that career until he was 10, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so it makes you wonder what he would have done if someone had realized the potential he had at, as a young horse. Yeah. I, well, and I believe a lot of people don't and this might just be a me thing, but they don't see the, like, just because a horse is over the age of 15 does not mean that horse is ready to retire. Um, and I have, I have some friends that they say, Oh, my horse is 15. Like I'm going to stop doing whatever with them and stuff like that. And I mean, my horse is 22 mind. I don't show her anymore or anything. And she really only does light riding. But if I leave her in the pasture and go off and ride somebody else's, Oh, I hear about it, I swear, the entire time I'm out riding. So that's just not a thing. Yeah, and I think um, I think part of that, too, is playing to those horses' strengths. You know, some horses don't like to jump. Mm-hmm. So for you to take them into training and try and force them to do it, you know, you, it's better to find something that that horse is good at and he excels at um, and, and try and work off of that. Um, sometimes you just can't make a horse do something no matter how much you want to do it or force it on them. Yeah. And I think well, that's a big part of it too. Yeah. And it's learning to... your horse and, and feeling, feeling them out. Mm-hmm. And it's just like people, like I'm terrible at math. So why would I go become a banker? Um, it's not something I enjoy. It's not something I'm good at. My sister, on the other hand, is phenomenal at math. She can do so many equations in her head at one time. It blows my mind. So it's, it's the same thing as people. Would you relate a horse's personality to people? Oh, yeah. Um, my gelding, his name's Merlin. He is uh, an off-the-track thoroughbred that never even got his gate card. So he never got certified to break away from the gate because he was never even fast enough for them to pay the money to do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So his dad is um, was a great sprinter racehorse in Argentina. He won a bunch of stuff. You know, 
and his on the bottom side, his his mom is is out of a, a thoroughbred named Stormcat, who's a really good producer. Um, and he would rather walk around and eat <laughs> than do anything fast. Um, and so his personality is more of he likes to 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 have attention, he likes to be groomed, he likes to be bathed, he loves to eat, he loves to spend time with me. But if I took him and I wanted to make a barrel racer out of him, mm-hmm. it would not, we would, we would clash all the time. Yeah. All I want to do with him is, is, is hack around and go out on the trails and play around with him and have fun with him. And he's perfect for that because that's his personality. Yeah. Um, he could probably do dressage. Um, I'm just not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I do think they have a lot of, personality traits that we do and quirks um and sometimes you mesh and sometimes you don't just like with people Uh, just like with people absolutely I've had horses that I could not figure out how to get along with you know um just because of our personalities we're we're different and we wanted different things (laughs) yeah I take care of um I've got my one and then I take care of five others and man there's a couple of those five that we are now at a an impasse I don't know if that's how you would say it or not we I feed them so they they get along with me ish now um I provide the food so they're not mean to me anymore but it was definitely when I first started doing it it was a struggle uh because we just had very clashing personalities and they I was the new I was the new barn girl and they tried to you know push and shove and be it was mares I'm not gonna lie it was all the mares they both they tried to do it and like I said, now we're now we're good. We have a nice little thing. They don't ever try anything. They say, okay, I'm ready to go out. And I take them out and we're good. Um, now right. I'm not having to do groundwork or anything like that with them. I just feed them and turn them out. I have a vocabulary question for you. So you said hacking. What does hacking mean? Um, so that just means uh, it, you can do that Western or English, uh, throwing a saddle on them and just going out um, on trails or around the field and just um, not really doing any kind of uh, schooling or training, just out uh, having a good time. Um, and sometimes that's a nice break for a horse mentally mm-hmm. because you have them in, you're schooling them, and you um, are asking a lot of them all the time, and you're working on training. And sometimes it's nice for them to be able to relax and they call it just hacking out on the trail or, or um, just trail riding, but uh, kind of a, a day where it, it gives them a little bit of a mental break and you're out enjoying them and letting them kind of enjoy being ridden instead of uh, constantly schooling and training. Gotcha. I've, I'm sorry. That's been killing me. So I met Miss Brittany at in one of the horse groups that I'm in and people will say that word and I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it was like a European thing because this is, this is an international group that we're both in. And you know, there'll be people from Australia and Ireland and England and I, they'll say stuff sometimes where I'm like, do we speak the same language? What is going on? (laughs) It's a great group. It honestly, it's a lovely group and it is one of the best ones. And I'm so happy that I found it when I did. So nothing against the vocabulary. It just throws me off sometimes. Yeah. And I do think you're right in that it has European origins for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's why we're not used to the terminology. 
Mm-hmm. That's also, I think, why there's so much English people in there. Not like English English writers is what I was going for. Yeah, there uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> which there's nothing wrong That's with English writers. So, yeah. It's much more popular worldwide anyways. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I've been trying to find a Western school or somebody yeah. that I can borrow an Australian saddle from and everything around me is English and I don't understand it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> So. And you're in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. I am. I am located in <laughs> yeah. Texas. So it's kind of funny, honestly. Well, and it's crazy because I have one trainer that I'm friends with uh, in Texas. And she actually rides Western. Well, she can do both, but she trains horses and she rides Western. Everybody else, they're English. And then all of my other Western friends, they just throw any saddle on any horse and then just go. <laughs> And I'm like, does that saddle doesn't even fit? What are you doing? Like, it blows my mind sometimes. But that's yeah. that's the Western way in Texas. I don't, not my cup of tea, but let's go with that. Speaking of which, I apologize, guys. There is not going to be, if I haven't said it already, there's not going to be a cup of the day for tea. Um, it's free choice. Let's do it that way. <laughs> do you have anything you want to talk about? I honestly, <laughs> obviously Merlin does. <laughs> He's just so, saying hi to no, the audience. Just, <laughs> if anyone is considering, um, you know, trying to get into horses or wanting to go somewhere and take lessons, um, I would encourage it because horses, um, they offer a pretty nice sense of peace sometimes. And um, I have a really stressful job working in the emergency department. And sometimes it's hard to leave that behind because I love animals and I don't, I do see a lot of tragedy and I see a lot of intense situations. So me being able to come out to the barn and hang out with my horse and exercise him and graze him in the field is good for me. Mm-hmm. It helps me mentally. And um, I think that anybody who is struggling especially now with all the stuff we've got going on. If you want a way to, to kind of help with some of your stress, that horses can, can definitely do that. What is it? Finding I think a I, good person. I was going to say, I think I saw a sign that was uh, social distancing at the barn. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing new for me, so social distancing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's me and my horse. <laughs> So I, I would encourage it if, if you're scared, um, there's always people that are willing to help you and take time and you don't have to ride a horse to enjoy it either. That's the other thing. Not at all. I actually, I was going to say I worked with horses for four or five years, never got on one. I would clean yeah. stalls. I'd walk them around. I'd brush them down, like bathe them, things like that. Never rode a horse for the first like five years. So. Yeah, I know. I even get more pleasure out of that almost than the riding part <laughs> oh, I love it my like ideal and it's terrible my ideal day at the barn I might like work Annie a little bit or something probably usually not and bring her up bathe her I mean get her all nice and shiny and her tail brushed out and everything like that and then just sit there and enjoy the nice blue day and the sunshine and sunshine yeah. and everything like that and just sit on the fence and watch them. And especially, she's got a new gelding boyfriend in the pasture next to ours. And oh. <laughs> she's very cute right now. And I'm like, you're a cougar. 
He's definitely like a quarter of her age. <laughs> All right, Brittany, thank you so much for this interview. It has genuinely okay. been awesome. Like I said, if you have anything else you want to say, feel free to throw it in or anything like that. You answered a ton of questions for me. You had lots of good advice and stories and experiences, and it was great having you on the show. And I will extend this offer. We do have guests come on and actually read with us. So if there's at any point where okay. you're like, man, I'd like to read and do these books, feel free to holler at me and I will definitely get you in and get you scheduled on. Okay, that would be great. Thank you. No problem. All right, everybody. Uh, next week, we are starting off with, yay, we finally made it, Wolf Speaker, which is the second book in the Immortals Quartet, the word that we can never remember. If you like us and you enjoyed this conversation, you can find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We do also have a website. And from that website, if you feel so inclined, you can find us on Patreon, where you are more than welcome to join and be in one of our mages, where you'll get lots of extras like outtakes from the shows and information, other book recommendations that we didn't give you on the shows, and even my favorite movie recs. If you liked us, please find us on iTunes, Spotify, or however you decide to listen to us. Give us a five-star review. If you don't feel like our show is quite up ready for five stars, go ahead and shoot us an email and we'll do what we can to fix it up. This is Mages of the Air. My name's Tracy and my interviewee, our horse expert for the day, was Miss Brittany Penn. And as always, welcome to Tortal. <laughs> <laughs>